Hey everyone, we're back with the Tech Policy Grind. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a fellow with the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, the organization where the next generation of tech law and policy professionals convene to write, think, and talk about the web, technology, and disruptive innovation. This is the Tech Policy Grind, the Foundry's podcast where we chat about what's going on in the world of tech policy across a whole host of issues, including AI, cyber, privacy, broadband, internet governance, content moderation, and so, so much more, with the people who are on the front lines doing the work. It is 3.30 a.m. here in Los Angeles. I just got home from the IAPP Global Privacy Summit in Washington, D.C., and I am tired. But I'm also committed to bringing y'all the content you demand, the content you deserve, every Thursday here at the Tech Policy Grind. So here we are, finishing up the ads for this episode. And I have to say, this one's a treat. Lama Muhammad, you know her as our social coordinator for the show, if you actually listen through to our production credits at the end of every episode, and she's been on the show before as a host for a few episodes. And she's a super active member of the Foundry. We were just on a panel together at GPS 2023, along with her fellow Foundry fellow, Mary Bagdasarian, and we took some time to sit down and chat about how she got started in tech policy. Okay. Hi, Lama. Hey, Rima. It's nice to be here. (laughs) So we are sitting um, about two feet away from each other for the rare... Uh, in-person interview mm-hmm. at a conference, but not in the conferency context that we sometimes do on this show, uh, like our previous episodes mm-hmm. from State of the Net and uh, and other conferences that we podcast at live. We just happen to both be speaking at this conference. And it's uh, a big deal. <laughs> but we are... Finally, getting to sit down and talk about you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And Lama, I think everyone has heard your name or at the very least seen your posts by now, uh, if not by your name personally, by the Foundry's name because you run everything social media. (laughs) Graphic design is my passion. Graphic design is her passion. But I want to hear a little bit about your story and sort of dig into everything that makes you you, because you are the best. Thank you. That's very sweet. Um, We can go all the way back, but I'm obviously Lama. Um, I am a recent graduate of American University. Go Eagles, for those who listen. May 2021, I was in the AU Honors Program. My major was in Interdisciplinary Studies in Communications, Legal Institutions, Economics, and Government, also known as CLEG, with minors in Computer Science and Information Systems. And if you ask, did Lama have a life? The answer is no. (laughs) I was also an RA. Um, I was on eBoard for Phi Alpha Delta, which is the pre-law front on campus. I was very involved in establishing our um, Tech Policy Association on campus. I was a Capital Collab ambassador. I was trying to really bring all the liberal arts students into STEM and sort of develop a tech policy community. And I could 
spend hours talking about what I did at <laughs> AU, but I had a wonderful time, I have some lovely friends I made there, and I'm still in touch with all my professors. So that's one segment of me. Another really important part of my identity is that I'm a third culture kid, uh, which is, for those who don't know, it is someone whose culture is sort of brought together by their parents. So my family is North Sudanese and the country that they were brought up in. So I was born in the U.S. And then the third culture is the sort of the culture that you have created from a host nation. So I had the wonderful privilege of living in Thailand for five and a half years. I also lived in Nepal for four and a half years. And a lot of my identity is sort of shaped around being that third culture. And it really has helped shape the way that I see a lot of technology issues from surveillance to censorship. And it's sort of accumulated over time for why I wanted to be in tech policy. But we'll get in, in, get into it. But that's, that's sort, sort of, of like, like my five-minute spiel about <laughs> who I am. No, that's so great. And I want to dig in a little bit more mm-hmm. into your time spent in D.C. Mm-hmm. Because you live in New Jersey now. Yes. Uh, but you work for Glen Echo, which is mm-hmm. based here in D.C., mm-hmm. and you went to American before. Mm-hmm. So how does the sort of D.C. culture, how did it shape your sort of entrance mm-hmm. into tech policy and yeah. you deciding uh, that this was the field for you? Yeah, so like a lot of um, people who are in tech policy, you drop into it by accident. So I have an international background and I came to American thinking that I was going to do international human rights law and (laughs) classic and at some point I was thinking hmm I think it's a little problematic for me as an American to go into another country and tell them how to run things the American way seemed a little imperialist to my sort of leftist brain and I went hmm let's scale back and sort of do domestic policy so I did my Clegg major and like every AU kid, you sort of watch C-SPAN for fun because that's what we do. Do and they really watch C-SPAN we really, for fun? We really do watch C-SPAN for fun. Like we have every kind of um, debate. There's a watch party. Every the election. The me is screaming. I, it's just like whenever there's something really big happening in politics, no matter what room you go into, C-SPAN will be on. <laughs> if not C-SPAN, C- CNN. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like... I tell everyone, if you're not into politics, don't go to AU because that's all we're about. So, you know, casual Thursday night, who was on TV? Mark Zuckerberg testifying about the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, there's sort of a relationship between like technology and policy. And some people are like, what are you going to do, major in tech policy? (laughs) I'm like, exactly. So the next day I get a minor in CS and I do another minor in information systems and I sort of try to marriage computational science and sort of the social sciences. And while there weren't many technology policy classes, I sort of made my way through what was available to me. So me and my professor, we made an independent study about the actualization of AI and the law. And we sort of studied like what happens when AI poses harm to an individual. So very talked about now, but back then, no one was really thinking about this. We were thinking, oh, what happens when someone's killed by a self-driving car? What are some of the legal implications for that? Mm-hmm. And my professor also had sort of his philosophy background, so we also talked about the ethical consequences of these things. And I thought, hmm, could robots be racist? And I don't have to explain to many of you, but the answer is yes. So we were thinking about a lot of these things, and he went, you really need to work in this field. Like, there's so much that could be done here and I was like exactly bestie so I that was my 
I think like sophomore, junior year. And so that sort of encouraged me to study abroad in Europe because they have the beautiful GDPR. We are without a comprehensive federal privacy legislation. If you work in Congress, I am telling you right now, we need a federal comprehensive privacy bill. So I, <laughs> so I had the wonderful opportunity to study abroad at the University of Edinburgh. They have their Cybersecurity Privacy and Trust Institute, and I did a lot of volunteer work there, learned a lot from the PhD researchers. We debated about, you know, Bluetooth speakers and, like, privacy implications for children, like any, any, mm-hmm. any of that fun niche stuff that people do on their free time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they left the EU, and so there were a lot of conversations about GDPR and the future of Brexit, and I was like, this is fascinating. And then the pandemic happened, which, you know, sort of caveated a lot of things, but I think while the pandemic was rough, it also allowed me to spend more time exploring the field, and that sort of led me to All Tech is Human, which I worked it with a lot post-grad. And I think that's sort of my relationship between D.C. I'm, I love D.C. I still come back here and there's a lot of work to be done. So if you're not into tech policy, there is a space for you here. Please come join us. <laughs> we, we both say as people who do not live in D.C. but are here more often than not, it seems, uh, as we sit in a conference room in D.C. at this very moment. No, that's that's great. And I think that that notion of independent study and sort of creating your own Mm -hmm. major and forging your own path through Mm -hmm. uh, university and through the academic Mm -hmm. system is something that's only going to continue, especially Mm -hmm. in that realm of tech policy and Mm -hmm. interdisciplinary approaches to the vast world of yeah. uh, of innovation and emerging technologies. And I will say for the students that are, are listening to this, if you can't do an independent study, you can take your specific classes and make it tech policy focused. When I was an undergrad, I took a machine learning course and I did my final project on evaluating open source facial recognition codes, ability to identify women and particularly black women, and compared it to how effectively they would identify white women versus white men and then black men. And so it shocked a lot of my computer science friends because they believe that technology is neutral and Mm -hmm. this was a way that it didn't show. So there's a lot of opportunity to explore within any field that you're studying in. Yeah, absolutely. And digging in a little bit more into sort of the subject area Mm -hmm. that you find interesting, Mm -hmm. you're work at Glen Echo, which we've mentioned many uh, times (laughs) in the history of the foundry activity, uh, is really interesting because it is a communications, public Mm -hmm. relations Mm -hmm. firm specializing Mm -hmm. in uh, a couple of tech policy issues. Could you talk a little bit more about what that work looks like? So we are a small but mighty team located in Elf Street, where a lot of our technology policy friends live. Uh, the Future Privacy Forum is just down the road. We're right next to Public Knowledge. Um, and our wonderful CEO, Mora, had a really big role in sort of establishing many of these smaller um, but powerful organizations that work in tech policy. So she sort of came with this brilliant idea of sort of being able to bring the experts and sort of re- establish a relationship with policy and media because 
we talk a lot about, you know, complex data privacy issues and AI and broadband and spectrum satellite. Like these are all really confusing things to some people. And we sort of have that responsibility of telling the people why they need to care about these things. And so I think that's the very unique role that Glen Echo plays in the space is that sort of translation topic, not just for policy people and media, but for actual public citizens where they're impacted the most from these sort of issues. Personally, I work in AI, privacy, and cybersecurity. Being able to pitch my experts' opinions and thoughts and work to the greater masses so that they have the information to actually understand why is Section 230 such a big deal? Why should I care about AI? People have my privacy anyway. Like, why does it matter? And we sort of try and embellish sort of those issues and with the experts that we have. That was sort of a long way to explain <laughs> it, but Lenico plays a very important role in this. No, and I think that translator role is so important mm-hmm. in the thing that I often see as missing from the sort of, you know, policy making space and the way that we think about these issues a lot of the time I think that communication to the public and Mm -hmm. how is the public actually going to understand these sort of ongoing discussions about very complex issues that uh, I think a lot of people can think like oh cybersecurity, like uh, technology I am not a STEM (laughs) major Uh, I don't know the first thing about computer science. Mm -hmm. That stuff is over my head, and Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Uh, But, I mean, technology and digital tools play such a big part in all of our daily lives. And so Mm -hmm. being able to sort of translate, not just within the tech policy community, you know, between technologists and policymakers and lawyers and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but that sort of fourth wall of the public is so fascinating and, and so important. Yeah, absolutely. Always, I have, so my best friends from are from college are all in law school and I always tell them, you know, we could open a firm together because everything <laughs> is tech policy adjacent. And they're like, Lama. <laughs> so if you don't think you can understand tech, yeah, you're tech already working in tech, mm-hmm. really. Everyone's yeah. working in tech yeah. when you come exactly. down to it, <laughs> or at least with tech in, in some capacity. I think that's really true. So you run so much at the Foundry. This is my pride and joy. (laughs) (laughs) And you came to the Foundry when you were a participant in the 2021 hackathon. Mm -hmm. Uh, So tell me about that. What was it like being a part of the hackathon? And what is... How's your experience been with the Foundry so far? So I found out about the Foundry, I think, the summer before my senior year. I had done a public service weekend with the Heinz College at Carnegie Mellon. And I think someone who is also a fellow in our class currently was sort of involved with the Foundry. And she posted the hackathon on our like group Facebook page. And I said, hey, policy hackathon? I enjoy doing a policy hackathon with Carnegie. Like, I could do it again. So I registered and I had a wonderful team and we were sort of tasked with sort of finding a solution to make the disparity gap with broadband access more equitable. And we're tasked with finding a solution, doing policy proposals, understanding implications and picking a particular community 
um, that this sort of issue faces the most. And so one of our team members, Don D. West, had a wonderful idea of sort of focusing on the incarcerated community. He was saying that people in the incarcerated community have absolutely no access to the internet. Some people who have been incarcerated for 20 years or more have absolutely no idea when they come out how to use a computer, what the heck of a smartphone is, and this whole idea of like the internet of things that these are because technology just gets developed so quickly in two years we may not even have like a camera on our phone like it's crazy so you can't even imagine how when someone gets out of prison like how they can even get into society because technology is an important component of that so we decided to focus on that particular community with one being able to create a secure version of a computer or cell phone and sort of work against how expensive also it is to call your family while in prison it's like two dollars a minute in some states which is absolutely ridiculous Mm -hmm. and the idea of being able to foster community between the family and someone who's incarcerated is very important for recidivism rates and also if someone has access to the internet they can get a degree online they can search for jobs online they're able to sort of establish themselves in order to get back into society and it was just such a fantastic idea we had a really great time putting the thing together and we had the wonderful opportunity of being second place and so i had a great time and everyone in the foundry who was supporting this idea i think donalyn west was the fellow at that time was just oh no donalyn roberts i'm sorry was a fellow at that time and i decided to apply when the next um fellowship cohort was being admitted and i was so shocked that I got it because everyone is a little bit older than me. I had just graduated from university. I had maybe like six months of experience, but I know that you also relate to the same way that passion is what led us here. Not to be cringy, but it did. And I am so happy that I'm here because I get to learn from everybody. Everyone has been so supportive. I have learned so much being here. And I think it's really set in stone that I do really want to be part of this community and again cliche but I think I want to be in it for the rest of my life it's just nice to have like have a community where you can express these things to because I'll talk about like LLMs with my parents and they're like I don't know what that is (laughs) (laughs) but I have a community I can say that too so it's been a really past great past year and a half well I am so glad that you're here too and I learn so much from you and all that you do and all that you bring to the table and you're always trying (laughs) (laughs) and no you really you really do do a lot for the foundry so i and for the podcast might i say um our Our graphics queen (laughs) our baby truly um but yeah that's that's all really important and impactful for i think folks who might be interested in joining the foundry to Mm -hmm. hear sort of like the different ways that you can get involved and the impact it can make on your interest and passion in the field more generally. Yes, of course. Yeah. So before we wrap, uh, is there anything that you have sort of coming up that you are really excited about, whether it be sort of substantively uh, as far as like things going on in the field or just like personally stuff that you're excited about? I think, because you and I are around the same age, I think it's exciting that this field especially is beginning to pay attention to the youth and the things that they think about 
in relation to privacy and trust and safety and content moderation. I think we have this really unique uh, experience that we bring to the table, especially because some of us, you know, were born with technology already really well established. I mean, personally, I didn't have a cell phone until I was in eighth grade. I didn't even have my first iPhone until I was my freshman year of college. Thanks to my friends who were listening to this for bullying me into buying an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I grew up not having the most sort of healthy relationship with technology because, you know, as a daughter of Muslim immigrants, you know, the Patriot Act really impacted my family. And so Mm -hmm. not my, I've never had a positive relationship with it. And that's sort of like kind of why I'm here is sort of just sort of change that narrative um, and also establish protections for those communities that are still at risk. So that's another, that's one thing I want to say. The other thing is there is a lot of policy opportunity and it's very, very exciting. And I'm, I know we're going to have a federal, a federal comprehensive privacy legislation. I know people are so You're pessimistic so about optimistic. this. <laughs> I have to be optimistic to cope. I have to be because there are so many really, really brilliant people who are putting out really brilliant research mm-hmm. and working with people and working hard with folks. And it's just, I, I think we're going to get there. Not now, maybe not 10 years, but we will get there. I think before <laughs> I die, <laughs> we hope, we pray, we pray. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, I think something that we didn't see previously is that people are also beginning to pay attention to the civil liberties aspect that is in technology. And that's something that I personally care about and something that I think I'm going to shift to later in my career is working at the intersections of sort of privacy, civil liberties and technology. And there are a lot of phenomenal people who are working in the space that now have a platform like Joy Bilamwini, Tim Neat from Google, and they are just really having their moment and I think it's important that one we see people who are working in social justice but also women of color mm-hmm. if I was really hesitant about coming in here because I didn't think there'd be anyone like me and I'd have to be like the first to do it but there are so many women of color like kicking butt and it's just really incredible to see and I was recently on a panel on Sunday with the Washington Center about early careers in cyber and people were coming up to me and asking, like, oh, are you a Muslim? And I said, yes. And they were saying, oh, I'm so happy that you're here. And just representation really matters. And it's one it's one thing to look up to someone, but it's another thing for someone to look up to you. And that shift in my career has been like very, very rewarding. Um, and so I'm thankful to be here at IAPP to do something similar for other people and for everything else that's to come. Um, not the LSAT uh, <laughs> or law school applications, but that is a you summer will, Loma problem. You will make it through that. Thank and you. I am inshallah, inshallah, inshallah. <laughs> knocking on every, on all the wood that's all around. I am so, I'm smiling ear to ear. I'm Aww. so excited for you. Thank you. I think everything that lies ahead is so bright mm-hmm. and I just can't wait to see what you do. And thank you for coming on to the show and on the other side of the... thank you for having me. It's weird <laughs> to talk about myself, but I always enjoy talking with Rima, so it's a good time. <laughs> well, thanks, Lama. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tech Policy Grind. Let us know what you think of this season so far. Get in touch with us at Foundry Podcasts, with an S, at ilpfoundry.us. And leave us a review on whatever platform you're tuning in on. I'm Rima Musa, the host, producer, and editor of the show. 
and this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of our team at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, particularly Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator, and this episode's guest, uh, and Allison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator, as well as Tim Lorden at the Internet Education Foundation. See you next time. Thank you.